Hi! You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, Bobby Castrone. Hey, Bob. Oh, yeah. It's the freaking weekend, baby. Time to have me some no. fun. Problematic, Bob. What? What What'd I miss? Problematic. What did I miss? Uh, you can't make any references to... Uh, Tom Brady's boss or R. Kelly this weekend? I can make all the references I want to Tom Brady's boss. You cannot. Actually, go ahead. Put it out there so I don't have to say anything. I, okay, and I'm, I don't have to say that like these are things you've texted me or anything like that? I would never do that because um, I won't. Even, I have nothing to say on the topic. I know. I'm, I, you know what? We should probably move away from it because even if I say something, it'll probably get back to your bosses and then you'll get fired and then you'll be in my garage. Which is way sadder than this one. I'm burning this thing to the ground. Yeah. The first the first hint that things go sideways on the show where it's like, oh, I might get in trouble. I'm just burning this place down to get rid of all the evidence. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird method to, it, to get away with everything, but sure. Every, the moment this place burns down, everything on the internet disappears too, right? That's how the internet works, right? I, 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 can't, I can't prove otherwise. All right. So, yes. R. Kelly's going to the slammer. <laughs> He's in it. I don't think we've actually come across an R. Kelly song yet on this podcast. No, we have. And I think we kind of, like most of America, we just kind of <laughs> pretended that everything we knew was happening wasn't <laughs> happening when okay. we talked about it. Yeah. But now we can't do that anymore. Uh, this is our is um, podcast celebrating 1993. How long ago is that, Bob? Four, five years ago. <laughs> is it 25? Oh, yes. We are like doing that? the top 10... Pop music uh, countdown, Hot 100 chart, Billboard, uh, this week in 1993. I love the countdown episodes, Bob. I love, especially when they're in the early 90s, because it's just fucking bonkers. Yeah, we usually try to do these countdowns in like the late 90s, 2000, when music sucked, and that's kind of fun, or the early 90s, when it was just a fucking shit show. It was incredible. It was just like... it. it <laughs> You never know what you're going to come across on these countdowns. There is a period if you if you went probably two years earlier or a year earlier that Bohemian Rhapsody, like a 20 year old song, would have been the number one song in America. Yeah. Uh, but you have alternative music, uh, you know, your standard pop. You have electronic music, which was huge at this era. The beginnings of grunge, and then all like the you know uh, boys to men type uh, mm -hmm. pop and all that. So it's kind of like a wild stew. I love the early 90s. It's also, obviously, when we came of age, Bob. I mean, you had hair all over your nuts well before uh, 1993. But I was shaving my back by 93. <laughs> Just full on, like, with Bic Razor looking like, in the mirror. And if you couldn't reach, you're like, Mom! <laughs> Mom, shave my back! Shave my back! <laughs> so like, what a fucking disaster. <laughs> um, I also, speaking of current uh, events, I should bring up, Bob, I wanted to bring up, in fact, that uh, Peter Tork of the Monkees died. Yes. And you and I are sneaky big Monkees fans, I feel like. We've talked about them a lot. I would say so, yeah. Through the years. And um, they have a special place in my heart because um, the first concert I ever went to, which we've talked about as well, was Weird Al opening for the Monkees. And I just looked up the show. It was at this place called Pier 9 in Manhattan. 
uh, on August 20th, 1987. It was I the can't first concert. It, I can't believe it wasn't at a great adventure. No, they... <laughs> When they were uh, touring on the Pool It, I think it was called. Which I would love to talk about. Pool It was a great <laughs> album. When they were touring on Pool It, uh, they were, it was a sold-out tour like, not cool across it. America. It's not Cool It. No, no, it's no, no, no. It's Pool no. It. Um, yeah, so that was the first concert I ever went to. And the great story to it is the, 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 uh, the Monkees, um, the reason why they got popular again was because they started getting, uh, their episodes were being aired on Nickelodeon, right? Or was it Nickelodeon? No, it was on MTV. On MTV. Yeah. My sister, Shay, who's three years older than me, uh, fell in love with the monkeys off the series. So and so she was all in on the monkeys. I was just a kid. I was along for the ride, essentially. Well, we were probably about six years old when that was happening. Because one of my early memories of like watching TV was watching the monkeys and loving it. And I was, you know, I was six, maybe seven. Right. And I remember our first grade teacher, Miss Eaton, asked me what I wanted Loved to do. Loved her so much. Yeah, she was like hot for a first I grade I lusted teacher. for her as a six-year-old. <laughs> Whatever that equivalent is. Whatever that is. is uh, I remember she asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And there was like a weird, there was a scene in the Monkees TV show at the time where it was like a cutaway. Like they did those weird like family guy cutaways. Right. Way before anything. And it was like somebody asked them what they who they were, and they just cut away, and they all had like doctor's uniforms on. And they went brain surgeons, and that was it. It was like a dumb thing. But when my first grade teacher asked me what I wanted to be, I said brain surgeon, and then that <laughs> set me on a track to be a doctor for at least the next eighteen months. It lasted that long. Where everybody was like, "Oh, he's going to be a doctor," and I was like, "I guess I'm going to be a doctor now. I I'm guess a- I've <laughs> locked myself into being a doctor." I'm sure your mom loved that when she you did. went through that phase. She did. Yeah, and and then uh, you ended up as a comedy writer. Way worse. <laughs> It's, um, the, it's the literal opposite of being a doctor. So as the family legend goes, uh, we went to this show. I was seven. Uh, my sister was 10. And we went with my parents. And we got up to the front of the stage. I'll, I remember this hazily even as, as a little kid. But we got to the front of the stage before the monkeys took the stage. And we were able to like look through this like crack and see the band. And they were like waving at fans. And they were what? Mid twenties in nineteen sixty eight, sixty nine. Uh-huh. So twenty years later, uh, they're pushing fifty. And when my sister saw what they looked like, she was under the impression they looked like the guys on MTV. Oh. She started crying. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, play, uh, play that one. You just might be the one. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're just throwing in some so, music right there. Anyway, that's, that's a hilarious. That's story. A, it's a it's a funny story, but like a lot of their songs um, kind of resonate to this day uh, for me. They were kind of, and that's the thing. Like they got killed for being a TV produced a, a band, man, like a band put together by TV producers, which they were, but they were all legitimate musicians, right? But everybody like slobbers over. Like Rihanna, for example, there's not really a big difference. Like someone else is writing their songs and managing their image on some level. Like right. a lot of the modern day stars, it was just but they different got... at the time. Right. Are we the first podcast to compare, to compare the monkeys with Rihanna? Yeah, we are. <laughs> we we just became that. This is uh this is the song you picked. You, yeah. You just may be the one. And Peter Tork, he died uh, this week. He was 77, and. Uh, it just said because Davy Jones died about five years ago now, five, ten least, years ago. Yeah, it was a while ago now. Uh, so two of the monkeys are gone. Yep, Mike Nesmith is still kicking, and Mickey Dolans, who, beyond giving us great music, gave us Amy Dolans. Yes. Which is something that Dan and I, and maybe like four more people out there, know who that is. She was the star of Miracle Beach, which was a 
Skinamax classic of the early 90s. Right. And Dan and I were obsessed with Amy Dolan's. We used to, yeah, it, for people that are too young to know, in the old days before the internet, your best chance to see, like, titties and maybe even Bush, Bob, is Cinemax or it? Showtime, like, you know, premium cable after hours. You're saying best chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up that to only, <laughs> only way you're ever going to see And it that. was also a graveyard for kind of B-movies, like... Miracle Beach that never got a theatrical release but had some like bikini girls in it and stuff yeah. and that's how and it was just put there was a summer where it just got played on repeat right and we fell in love with Amy yes cute but, little nose but blonde so, hair so I picked this song uh, because everybody knows the monkeys for like their five big songs that are on you know classic rock radio right. or like oldies stations to this day like Daydream Believer uh, the Smash Mouth hit I'm a Believer <laughs> Uh, Last Train to Clarksville. But they have so many great songs that if you didn't know it was the Monkees, you would just think this was like another British invasion band right. that made some amazing songs. That's the other thing. Like, obviously, the whole idea of the TV show was a takeoff of Beatlemania. It's like, oh, yeah, they're frauds. They sound like the Beatles. Like, that's okay. Mm. Like, they were they were a dead ringer for the Beatles when they were at their best, and that is not a bad thing. Yeah. Good. I think, Bob, the Beatles are the best band ever. So I think, you know what? That's not a bad thing. Well, I used to harass my sister, who was a Beatles fan at a young age, that the Monkees were better than the Beatles, and it would drive her insane when I would I would just dig my heels in and say that. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I wasn't just being a troll. Maybe I believe it a little bit. Um, I mean, not really, but no. <laughs> I wish I did. And they did have an album that came out a couple of years ago. Because I remember you sent me a link for something like the death of the accidental hipster. I think it was. yeah, they had um, they put out an album that Weezer produced a couple songs and co-wrote. Noel Gallagher did a song with them. That's right, producing and co-writing. So that's something worth looking into. Um, and because I've been listening to them, check out me and Magdalena. I don't know if you're aware of that one. I don't know if I am. Uh, I think Ben Gibbard uh, co-wrote the song or played on it. It's this song. Um, they were making good music till the end. Yeah. I don't know if Nesmith and uh, Dolan's are going to keep it going, but all right. Anyway, rest good, in peace. Good. Yeah, rest in peace. Peter Tork. I'm Not Your good. Stepping Stone, by the way, is one of the great kiss-off songs of all time mm. as well. Good monkeys talk. I didn't see that coming. Like a really good monkey. Well, I texted talk. you on your way here and said I wanted to talk about the monkeys. So but yeah. I thought you'd forget. And I was driving, so I almost got in an accident when you when I saw that. You're so. like, what? The monkeys? monkeys? <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into the countdown... We have, we have to say this podcast is brought to you by you, the Patreones out there who keep us going. Patreon.com slash throwback. I love the monkeys. Tonight we're being joined <laughs> in the garage by one of our top tier sponsors, Pettit. Of, this is a sad story, by the way. Pettit of Pettit and Mattis fame is uh, <laughs> watching us now via live stream. That's a, that's a perk. Could you call it a perk? Is that a- it's a little bit of a, a cry for help because we, we've been told by Pettis um, that he's drinking a Bloody Mary at 11 p.m. Alone. Alone. I mean, there's so many red flags <laughs> that so, I don't even know where to begin. So I guess, I guess what we're saying is we're going to be in need of a new sponsor soon because this dude's definitely killing himself tonight. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever had a Bloody Mary after... 12.30 p.m., Bob. Maybe if I slept late and I got down to the bar, we're in Vegas, and like we roll out of bed and we get to the, the diner at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Maybe. I'd have a Bloody Mary. Maybe. Have you ever had a Bloody Mary alone? No. Never had a Bloody Mary alone. Definitely never had it in darkness. After the sun goes <laughs> After down. the sun has gone down. Anyway, so, uh, Pettis, thank you for listening 
uh, I hope you win your fantasy league and it gets better. It does get better. Yeah. Put down this podcast. Tomato. Doesn't get better. This podcast doesn't get any better. This no. is pretty much it. Put down the tomato mix. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it, Bob. 25 years 26 ago. 26 years ago, Dan. Uh, <laughs> Time keeps marching. Fuck on. everything. All right. So the top 10 songs, according to Billboard's top 100. But what, as we always do in these countdowns, we pick uh, each pick a song from the uh, outside the top 10. So inside the top 100. And we'll start with Bob's selection. One of the, I feel like one of the, on the Mount Rushmore of... <laughs> Uh, this podcast. Uh, yeah, throwback podcast references that you never thought we'd make, but we do. Mr. John Sakata. Let's listen to Do You Believe in Us? It's <laughs> like out of tune. Let's take him to another take. Give him, give him a minute. Give him a minute. He'll get it. He's like warming up his voice on the final take. go bring it cicada bring it this dude has no soul what else could you say <laughs> i mean i mean this actually sounds like plastic oh come on this is the sound of this is pretty bad bud it sounds like it should be like in a scene in Pretty Woman, just like getting from one place to another. Like that's it. I because the first song we played on this podcast by Sakata was a fucking banger. Which one was that? That was his uh ha, ha, I can't resist. That song's a banger. That's a great song. This one, uh you know what? It's a it's a half step down, maybe a full step down from that. It's funny, like on Apple Music, they make what they essentially the best of playlist. What does Spotify have? This is. So, yeah, this is. So yeah, it's yeah. an Apple, it's essentials. And you don't have to be anyone special or important to get an essentials. You just have to be a known artist. Somehow Sakata doesn't even get the oh, essentials. That hurts. that hurts. So I can't tell you what's the other Sakata songs I'm into. <laughs> I don't I, know the song. Oh, come I miss on. This. I miss you, you don't remember this? No. I remember it immediately. I mean, this is definitely on WPLJ in New York yeah. in 1993. No, I think it was probably on Z100, too. Not as much as the other one, but look, Cicada is the voice of our youth. We just have to accept it. It's not a great voice. It's like a middling voice at best. But, you know, this was it. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people said Kurt Cobain was no. the voice. A lot of people are idiots. It a lot of people clearly... don't know that about a year or so later, Kurt Cobain would be, you know, yeah. Drinking, let's put it put it this way, drinking Bloody Marys at night. Alone. That was his last drink. That should be the new <laughs> euphemism for suicide. Oh, but what are you doing? Ah, I'm just going to have a nighttime Bloody Mary. Oh, my God, get someone <laughs> over there. <laughs> All right, my choice, I said it at the top of the show, just learning, just starting to get, in, uh, get into pop music around this age, and I was way into dance pop oh, wow. and there was no shortage of it all the songs are basically the same thing yeah and i love them all i love that one <laughs> song this is snap slammer 
rhythm as a dancer. Snap all caps, right? No. <laughs> okay. Off I, the I, album, I, The Madman's Return. Okay. I like how they, they're building up to yeah, it. Yeah, they, they want you to really just be ready for it. This is the verse. This, they just, this is all this. Oh, oh making you earn it. <laughs> and they are on point. Damn, five and a half minutes. This is clearly not the radio edit. No. All right, it's got to be coming now. Here it comes. You would think. Here we go. Are we at a middle school dance? This is the song mm -hmm. of every middle school dance where you're too scared to go up to the girl that you like and ask her to dance. So you're just kind of stare at her while Snap is playing. Wait, so I'm looking at this. It was the second biggest single of 1992. So, it, so big that it was still oh, on the charts. Oh, it was falling off the charts right, it's in on its February 97. We're not in the top 10. That makes sense. There you go. Um, Oh my god, I love it when it's a German Euro dance group. <laughs> and there's a black woman and then a severe-looking man with a bald severe. head, yeah. as always. Yeah, who maybe has Nazi yeah, ties. You have to question it. <laughs> I like that. That makes me feel young when I hear that music. So I think that our two outside the top ten choices really just encapsulate what we're talking about here, that it was a weird fucking time for music. It was. And now we get into the top ten, and... Uh, if you want to get really weird, the the name of the first album we're going to talk about is a reference to a gigantic cock. Okay, so Bob. We've been over that, Bob. You have a decent dick. Tops. It's fine. I'll take fine. Bob's got a decent cock, it's average. The funny thing about this countdown, and this of course is Snow's Informer, off the album. 12 inches of snow. <laughs> That's a lot of snow. That is the worst album title of all time. Because there's no... Um, he's not being ironic or winking. He just wants people to know that he has a big he's got dick. A big, big which white is probably dick. not true. Big white dick. Big, he, big white Canadian dick. I don't know what's worse if it's not true or if it's true. Well, Either way, want, it's a terrible look. Here's the thing. You never want to overpromise and underdeliver. Right. Why are you saying you got a, a foot long cop? No. So then, like, the groupies are like, oh, that's like six and a half inches of snow. Like, it's not going to be that exciting. It's like, it's like five inches. What is this? 12 inches of Bob? By the way, even if it was nine inches of snow, you're promising 12. <laughs> so, like, you're not going to, somebody's going to be disappointed. You should put out an album called Five Inches of Snow. <laughs> <laughs> five inches of slush. <laughs> What's wrong with this dick? <laughs> it's, it's so slushy. Um, couple things, Bob. We just listened to German Europop. 
this is a Canadian reggae musician. Never thought the day it's would come, but thing. it did in 1993. Any Canadians out there, shame on you. Yeah, this is on all of you. You're all responsible for snow. We have to eat shit like, you know, Donald Trump, for instance. <laughs> this is your Trump. You need to eat shit for snow existing. <laughs> uh, 2007, the song was ranked number 84 on VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of the 90s. Conversely, the song was ranked number seven worst single of the 90s by Pitchfork, who I, mean, I trust more. I, a little scenario. bit more, a little bit more in this scenario. What's the funny, this song about, by the way? The funny thing about this song, and I think it, it's going to happen a few times on this countdown, is thinking back to being like 13 years old, this was my favorite song for a few weeks. Looking at the top 100 when we had to pick our song, right. like Rex and Effects Rump Shaker was on there. That was definitely one of my favorite songs for a few weeks. Like Two Princes was on there. That was a favorite song. Like when you're that age, <laughs> this is a huge song. When you're that age, you get so sort of like attached to something for not like a long amount of time. Right. But you're like, oh, I love this. This is who I am. Because like you don't know who the fuck you are. But I definitely loved Informer Snow and tried to memorize all the words and was like, I remember being like, oh my like God. being in the lunchroom in like middle school, just being like, no, I can do it. I can do like what he does with like four other white guys who at least were not, at least we weren't Canadian, but we were all trying to do the snow thing because we were 13 year old <laughs> losers. Um, there's some history backstory to this, Bob, that I would not have expected. In 1992, course all references and all research comes from wikipedia while on vacation in queens new york who goes on vacation in queens <laughs> that's not, no one has ever done that before by, that's where you end up by accident this is a night of first the first person to ever have a bloody mary when the sun was down and the first person to take a vacation in queens <laughs> snow met american rapper and producer mc sean blah 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 signed him to a record label so, shortly thereafter snow began serving an eight-month sentence in toronto for assault and informer started getting play while he was in prison, which is always a great career move. Pretty cool. Like, legitimately. The song is based, Bob, on a separate 1989 incident when Snow is charged with two counts of attempted murder. Maybe we got to shut our fucking mouths. I know. At the time, he was detained for a year in Toronto before the charges were reduced to aggravated assault, and he was eventually acquitted and freed. In, in 1999, he referred to his criminal history as a couple of bar fights. So he beat the fuck out of some guys. So that was... Daniel Keith Hansis questioning the size of your manhood, Mr. Snow. I believe you are 12 inches of snow. <laughs> you know what, though? I'm going to roll the dice and say fuck snow. <laughs> I'm just, I, I know he's got a criminal record. And again, one last note. He's got a criminal record and not a lot going on right now. So he's going to find you in Culver City. He's going to take a vacation to Culver City and find you. <laughs> I mean, Culver City is fucking Maui compared to Queens. <laughs> um, Bob, informer and shame on you, Maple Country. Informer won a Juno Award, which is the Alanis Morissette Grammys. You see, Canada, this is on you. This is you guys are responsible for all of this shit. You're for rewarding this man. Best reggae recording. Oh come on, <laughs> you guys are funny. You guys are so racist. <laughs> You're just giving that to the a fact white. that that's even a category in Canada <laughs> is amazing. All right, let's move to uh, number nine, Bob. One of the more famous songs of the era. My Apple Music aggregator has this under the category hardcore rap. <laughs> hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, 
I have a very good memory of this, that uh, in the old Yankee Stadium in the bleachers in right center field, which at the time were probably $6 to get a ticket. Yep. And um, after home runs in this era, they would play this. And, like, everybody in the bleachers, everybody would be bombed, and the girls would be showing their titties, and, like, hip-hop <laughs> Ray would be playing. Yeah. And um, it was just a gr- a, one of the great party jams straight up of the entire decade. Yeah. I don't know if it's, like, a great, like, artistic achievement, but in terms of, like, memorable party jams, this is up there. No, this was another middle school dance song that everybody, every 12-year-old had their arms up in the air going, hey-ho, hey-ho. This was hardcore rap in suburban <laughs> New York. This was about as hard as it got. So if you liked Naughty by Nature, you were you were a badass. There was a dangerous, um, as like a white boy from the suburbs who... We had very little access to black culture, Bob. Well, River of Dreams by Billy Joel. Uh, yes, no, we didn't course. start the fire. Sorry. That was the... Um, no, River of Dreams, you had it right. That was pure gospel <laughs> soul. That was his reggae album. Uh, but no, we didn't start the fire and like crisscross. That was about as hard as it got. <laughs> Wait, what is We Didn't Start the Fire have anything to do with black culture? Because it's rap music. Oh that is bad. Oh my god! Now I'm thinking about it. There are definitely Billy Joel's fans that are like, "Yeah, that's Billy doing rap," and he was ahead of the <laughs> whole of the curve. curve. All right, fuck Billy Joel. Bye. Stop it! Stop it! Um, no, the the logo with the baseball bat and the Naughty by Nature scrolled in like graffiti type font. Yep. Very dangerous. And you know who else scared the shit out of me? And this is I'm not proud of this, but Tretch just seemed like a guy that like I did not. At that time in my life, I'd never met a black person, really. <laughs> Tretch was the guy who was like, fuck, <laughs> this dude is not like me. He, he, he and he would probably me. kill me he if he saw me. He kill me. He doesn't like me. Um, so there's Tretch. Who else was there? Onyx. I was a little scared of Onyx. Wait, Onyx was in? Oh, no, no. I, I thought you were just talking about people that scared you. Oh. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> this is getting weirdly racist. It is. Um, no, Onyx was... That was pretty... They were kind of hardcore. Yeah. Uh, Onyx follows me on Twitter, by the way. No, they follow the Throwback Podcast. Oh, Throwback. You want to see how far we've come, uh, Bob, as white boys from, like, the whitest suburb, to the point where we grew up in a town called uh, Pearl River, and it was in Rockland County, which is, uh, you know, outside New York City, and the, the towns within our county were, there was some diversity. They were, yeah, they were fairly diverse. Incredibly diverse, actually, yeah. the county as a whole, but our town was incredibly white and we would go to uh on the basketball team we would go to certain games and uh when we got off the bus and people were like be calling us honkies and pearly white river was something yeah, pearly white river away. was the uh the one i don't know how we survived bob this this the, easy i mean some people would say that we're heroes that we were able to uh, no i don't know if anybody would say that but okay. we, we were um anyway any other thoughts about the song bob it was a great. Wait, who else? Tretch is in it. Who else is in Naughty by Nature? We deserve. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I don't remember their names. Tretch was the Naughty by Nature, right? He was it. He was it. All right, I'm go- I got to find out who else. Do is you in have to band. find out? Well, I'm in too deep now. You're in too deep now. Because I think there is, and Tretch was banging Peppa. Yes, Peppa. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Tretch, uh, Vin Rock, Bob, DJ KG. Yeah, we would have never gotten that. And they're all from East Orange, New Jersey. How about that? A great place to vacation if you're Canadian. Tretch was banging Peppa. Yes. And that just felt like one of the great power couples. (laughs) And it was. All right, let's move on. 
And this pops up. What what you're about to hear um, is off the 90210 soundtrack. And it's not the first 90210 soundtrack on the top 50 at this era. Great. Let's listen. fucking sucks bring it up bring it up there better be a payoff here bub I had the 90210 soundtrack, and I didn't re- I didn't realize that until this exact moment. <laughs> I had a cassette of this, and I remember listening to this. You, I feel like you were maybe a gay man in middle school. Maybe I was. I va- I vaguely remember that chorus. Yeah, I vaguely re- no. I remember having this cassette. And this wasn't my favorite song. I don't know why I got it. I mean, there must have been a bigger hit on it. Maybe that's the one we're going to get to. Yeah. But no, this didn't leave much of a, a footprint in the world of music. Written by Diane Warren. Okay. This is a big, big deal. She's had nine number one songs and yeah. 32 top 100 songs. Um, and Brian Austin Green, Bag himself, was in the video. Oh. How were you on 90210? Were you into it? At this I watched time? one season. It was the summer season of 91, 92 in that era. And I fucking loved it. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I didn't stick with it. It happens. The 90210 thing that to this day kind of bothers me, I think it happened in the first or second season, was they were at that point where they had to have that like big episode. And there was like this big buzz of like, somebody's going to die. And I remember seeing, like, there was all this buzz that it was going to happen. And I remember seeing the TV guide, and there was, like, the cast photo. And it was, like, this Thursday, mm. one of the gang is going to die. And you Classic. look at the photo, and it's, like, Dylan and Brandon and Jenny, Brenda. Brenda. Jenny Kelly. Garth, Kelly. Tori. Spelling. <laughs> Donna. Donna. It's, like, the whole group. And then Brian Austin Green. David. Back. And then the fucking guy in the cowboy hat. The nerdy piece of shit. The nerdy piece of, of shit. Who uh, was a friend of Brian David. Austin Green, who like had like two lines an episode, and he made it into this photo. And I remember being like thirteen and being like, "Oh, he's gonna die! Like that's right. the guy that dies." And you were thirteen. And I figured it out, and it still bothers me to this day that the cowboy hat guy so was lazy. In it. Because what they should have done was just done the entire cast. Yeah, just like a mass like cult kind of thing where they drink Kool Aid and they all die. That's what they should do, by the way. They um, drink Bloody Marys <laughs> after nine o'clock at night. That's what they should do on Empire with uh, Jesse Smollett. <laughs> Just have that. Just like scene for scene, like shot for shot, like when they re- reshot uh, Psycho yeah. with Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Um, a shot for shot remake of the bedroom <laughs> accidental shooting death. I was going to ask if you remember the cowboy. How, how the cowboy guy <laughs> died. the gun. He was like spin- a fucking moron, <laughs> like a hick piece of shit cowboy <laughs> fuck. And then he shoots him. And they're like, oh, is he going to shoot David? Of course not. People like David. He's clearly going to shoot himself. He iced himself hardcore. Iced himself. I remember uh, that was, like I said, I only watched one season. It was the summer season. But I remember that being such a big fucking deal. It was promoted so heavily mm-hmm. as you would expect. And um, 
everyone was talking about it. Well, and they also did the thing at the end of the episode where they're like, hi, I'm Jason Priestley. Yeah. Don't play with guns. And if you do, lock them up afterwards. Or something. That's what he said? Yeah, yeah. It was weird. It was the 90s. Yeah. yeah. We should find that uh, PSA. No, that was it word for word. <laughs> I feel like you totally <laughs> did not give an accurate summation no, of what that up. was. You don't have to look it up. Probably it's wasn't funny. even Jason uh, Priestley. It definitely wasn't. It was probably his parents who just disappeared <laughs> in season four and were never seasoned again. Uh, all right. So where are we? That's uh, 10, 9, 8, 7. All right, here's number six. And we've talked about this before. It is not a, um, it is not a popular sentiment, uh, but we're going to again bring it up um, that Prince was only okay. Yeah, that's kind of how we feel. Uh, and I know that is an affront to everyone, I feel like, in the world. Yeah, no, people are going to actually stop listening to our podcast because of that. But uh, here we go. Prince and the New Power Generation... This song is called Seven. No one in the whole universe will ever compare. I am yours now and you are mine and together we love through all space and time so don't cry. One day all seven will die. Oh yeah, I remember this. Uh, no memory of this, Bob, um, but it, apparently it was a big enough hit. We talked about this before when we throw out the very hot take, one that is not embraced by anyone in popular culture, especially since his death, uh, especially since his death, oh, yeah. that Prince was sneaky overrated, right. was masterful and uh, his early years, uh, obviously, with his albums and Purple Rain and all those hits mm-hmm. from like... You know, 79 to 87. But then the well dried up pretty good. Pretty quickly. And nobody talks about any Prince songs really after the Bat Dance. And we're not even allowed to talk about the fact that nobody talks about, doesn't talk about is This is hot. This is a hot take and it's a hated take. Uh, The headline is, guys who spent 15 minutes gushing about monkeys (laughs) don't like Prince. I mean, Prince is fine. That's my take. But, uh, But this actually is a little bit of a shot against that theory that he was uh, irrelevant in the 90s because here he is with a top 10 single in 1993. I do remember this song. I remember thinking probably that it was Lenny Kravitz. It's kind of in that world. Keep digging, Bob. You're getting (laughs) deeper now. Um, It's fine. You you can't really really hard... You can't judge what people love. So I'm not going to say that that's not good. No. And there are people that that's probably their favorite song in the 90s. Right. I just, for, for whatever reason, it's never really connected. No. Is it better than John Cicada? No, it's not. I mean, that's, I don't want to say it, but yeah, it <laughs> feels like it's in the same category <laughs> of a song. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite Prince song? Let's just at least show that we're not. Bob doesn't know any other Prince song. I like When You Were Mine. Okay. That's a great song. And can we calm down with like. 
never writing two T-O, and it was always numbers. <laughs> calm down with calm, that. Calm down with that. Um, God, imagine what he would have done with emojis. How annoying would he have been with emojis if he didn't die first? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Purple Rain, the song, is the champagne supernova of the 80s. Right. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's a towering yeah. achievement. Did you see that movie? I watched the movie for the first time the day he died. Mm. Yeah, a little bit problematic. <laughs> he got a little bit of a pass on that. He like beat the shit out of his girlfriend in it. Threw a girl in dumpster, or maybe Ooh. he didn't. Somebody else did. The whole movie's a little bit shaky. A little, little shaky. But we're not allowed to talk no, about that. Can't do that. John Cicada never made a shaky movie. I was about to bring up. <laughs> I was about to bring up. Uh, the movie he did on the roller coaster, but that was actually Richard Grieco. Oh, licensed? No. No. Maybe it was Cicada. Was he an actor? <laughs> All right, Maybe. let's move on. No, Antonio Sabato Jr. There you go. There was some type of thriller where he was on a roller coaster. In fact, no, brother. Uh-oh. Man, here, have two. Oh, my God. Two dollars needs a snack for me, but it means a big deal to you. Be strong, serve God only. No, but if you do, beautiful heaven awaits. As to pull my rope for the first time. I saw a man with no clothes, no money, no plate, Mr. Wind. That's his name. No one ever knew his name, cause he's a no one. Never thought twice about spending on an old bum until I had the chance to really get to know one. Now that I know him, to give him money isn't charity. He gives me some knowledge, I buy him some shoes. And I think blacks spend all their money on big colleges. Still, most of y'all come out confused. Bob's Go doing hand motions that Brian Austin Green. <laughs> Or David Faustino would do on their first videos How for their dare albums. You, Faustino. Go ahead, Mr. Wynn. Lil D, I believe his name is. Arrested Development. Before there was the TV show, there was the, <laughs> the Grammy Award winning band. Seminal uh, hip hop group. Who doesn't like any of their songs? I love Arrested Development. They were maybe my favorite band. They're the first CD I ever bought. The first CD I ever bought was the CD. Did you say they're your favorite band? They were at this time. Really? They really were. I loved this song. I loved Tennessee. I loved Everyday People. I had the CD, and this was maybe my favorite song for a solid year plus. Awesome. Again, in case if you're just listening, first time, white guy in Pearly, Pearly White River, New York. Walking around singing really, <laughs> not just like rap music, really singing songs about the black experience. Afrocentric. Yes. Alternative. Yes. Um, yeah. And well, you know what? As we said, like when I talked about Tretch, like <laughs> there was no connection to black culture right. where we grew up. So it's good that you had radio and then you would hear Arrested Development. If you And if you listen to the words, these were things that you had never heard of any of these things. Yeah. It's true. The plight of, of black culture or anything that was different than our experience. Oh, Tennessee was like a history lesson for me at the time. Like, it was legitimately not something that I knew anything about or really thought about as a 12, 13 year old white kid. And this was kind of like a celebration of black culture. It was all, it was kind of uh, upbeat and positive, the music. Right. Yeah. And this song specifically, it's about befriending a homeless man and. You know, kind of seeing them for more than just this guy who's, you know, out there and paying attention to him, buying him shoes and whatnot. <laughs> but it was 
Uh, it was not like anything else on the radio, and I loved it. Three years, five months, and two days in the life of. Let's do that the one. The debut next, album. Let's do that next week. Why not? Sold over six million copies, Bob. I'm pretty sure they beat Nirvana in either the Grammys or some other award for like new band of the year. Like best new band. From the Rolling Stone Encyclopedia of Rock and Roll, Bob, 2001. Arrested Development took the light, funky sound of the native tongue school of hip hop. De La Soul, Queen Latifah, blended in the folk blues instrumentation of their native South. By the way, an Atlanta artist, another better pick than Maroon 5 for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Bring out Arrested Development. So many choices. <laughs> and we get fucking Adam Levine with a shirt off. Um, adding uplifting gospel-tinged lyrics and became one of the most successful crossover acts in rap. What happened to them? You know, their second album didn't really do much. They did a MTV Unplugged. And then I think they were one of those bands that it was really one guy. It was Speech and then everybody else. And I think they just all went off to do other things. Creative differences in 1996, they broke up. Reunited in 2000, but it was like such a different world by then. Yeah. Although in 2000, it was fine. Towers come down. There's no place for Arrested Development, unfortunately. Or maybe there's a brand new place for them, a new world for them to really start. Or maybe we lost track of where they were, and then the towers come down, put it on the board. Are we putting Arrested Development on the board? And then there's a TV show to get us all thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Put... Put Mitch Hurwitz on the board. I think there was a uh, lawsuit, wasn't there? There should have been. Okay, we got another again. This is great. This reminds me, we talk about being introduced, Bobby, Bob, essentially, to black culture through the radio. <laughs> yeah. Conductor Dre, bro. Bring it to the folks, Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the dope. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Long Beach together, now you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. baby. Too low death, nigga, so we're crazy. Death Row is the label that pays me. Unfadeable, so please don't try to fake this. Hell but yeah. uh, back to the lecture at hand. Perfection is perfected, so I'ma let them understand. From a young G's perspective And before me digger the bitch I have to find a contraceptive You never know she could be earning her man And learning her man And at the same time burning her man Now you know I ain't with that shit lieutenant Ain't no pussy good enough to get burned while I'm offended And that's realer than real deal Holyfield And now you hookers and hoes know how I feel I interviewed a better Holyfield in the Super Bowl You didn't ask him about this? He was The lights the lights were on but nobody was home well, Let me just start yeah, there yeah. Fucking not, not the It wasn't Barbara Walters is like breaking down walls put it that way um and if i would have uh, remembered that he gets name dropped in one of the greatest hip-hop songs of all time you would have broke the news to him <laughs> like, what's hip-hop uh no evander's brain is damaged uh, nothing but a g thing off one of the biggest albums ever yeah this is the, the first chronic. this is the first real song we've listened to tonight <laughs> this is like the first legitimate song did you know it was held out of the number one spot on the Billboard charts by the uh, 1994 Juno Award winner for Best Reggae oh, Artist, that is such Snow? A fucking insult to the world that we know. That's on you, Canada. Uh, it was named by XXL Magazine as the top hip-hop song of the decade. It, it definitely is. 
I think it is, right? Yeah, I think and it, it is. And it also introduced the world to Snoop Dogg. At yep. the time, Snoop Doggy Dogg, who became only one of the biggest figures in pop music for about 20 years. Yeah, this sound didn't exist until this song. I mean, it was a completely new thing. And it was... It was interesting for us, I think, because as eventual fans of, like, grunge and Nirvana, you had to make a choice when you were, like, 13. You kind of did. It wasn't... It wasn't like what it is yeah. now where you're allowed to like everything. It was... Well, if you were just, like, a... I didn't weren't a huge music fan. You could like everything, could but like if everything. you were like somebody who wanted to present yourself as like, I'm I'm a, I understand music. I I pick a side. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and so we picked Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and because we picked that, you had to sort of denounce this, even if you kind of enjoyed it on your own. You never talked about it. You never would wear like a Dr. Dre shirt because you were a Pearl Jam kid. So we never talked about this. You were music. trying to give yourself some type some of identity, identity right. at any at any at any cost. Cost, yes. So like we never talked about Dr. Dre when we were kids, but like I remember always watching this video in part because there was the one scene where the girl goes up for the volleyball and the mm. guy pulls down her bikini top and that was like really Today exciting. Just, you would never see the video again. <laughs> Today it would be deemed problematic would right, be over. Right, but at the time that was like the most exciting thing in the world. It's fucking awesome. What a barbecue. What a barbecue. I've never been to a barbecue like that. Again, it was just busting open doors <laughs> for us as white boys. Like, so what is going on in Wait, South the, Central? <laughs> the cars are hopping up and down and just girls have their titties out this during a This is so much better than game. Pearl River. <laughs> <laughs> we got to move to California and that's why we're here. That's why we're here. And that's why we're driving to South Central right after this show. <laughs> right after this it's gonna go well. Um, so Snoop's in this. Uh, Dre is destroying it. Uh, they this le- this was um, the recording of this. We learned how it all came together on another um, overrated biopic. Did you see that one? No, I never saw that one. What was it called again? It was just NWA, right? Straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is with um, these biopics that people just are slobbering all over them no matter what. The Queen one was the biggest piece of shit. And as we're recording this, it's uh, the Oscars are tomorrow. So I don't know. The guy, he might even win Best Actor. Right. And it wasn't even a great performance. He had a big mouthful of fake teeth. Our standards have gone way down. Like If, if he wins anything, we need to go back and retroactively give Joaquin Phoenix an award for Walk the Line. Yes. Because that was a good biopic, but at the time we are like, oh, it's just a music biopic. We, let's God, not take it seriously. Now all of a movie. sudden we take it seriously? I don't get it. The The problem I had with a Straight Outta Compton was uh, it was so predictable because, again, these, these, these biopics, they end up kind of turning into essentially what feels like a big-budget version of those VH, VH1 movies right. from the early aughts. Behind the Musics. <laughs> like remember when they had like the Def Leppard Def story, Leopard story yeah. or I lost me arm. <laughs> me me arm. Arm's gone. Uh, there was the one about what if Paul and John were friends uh. before, you know, they did all those. That's how these things all play out. And there's a moment in straight out of Compton where it's like, you look at your watch and you're like, Oh wait, this movie's over in 20 minutes and easy hasn't gotten AIDS yet. <laughs> so you're like, Oh wait, they have to have a, su- a scene. And this is exactly how it played out. I'm laying on the couch watching. He's like, oh, man, he has to have a scene where he's talking to somebody and he starts coughing very soon. <laughs> Cut to Dr. Dre at a club with Easy e Oh, no. He's like, man, we got to work things out. We should be friends again. <coughs> What's up with you, Easy? 
I don't know, man. It's nothing. It's definitely not the AIDS. <laughs> got to a coffin. It's like we got to <laughs> tie up some loose ends. Got to get through this quick. Anyway, that's one of the best hip-hop songs of all time. Yes. Is it on Mount Rushmore? Where It's not for us to say. But I'm going to say it is, yeah. Okay. But it's not for us to say. No, definitely not. All right. Whitney has two spots in the top four. Whoa. That's where we're at. In the biggest movie of the first five years of the 90s, potentially. Or at least it felt that way. Wait, A. Whitney Brown? What Whitney? Whatever oh, no, no. you need. The Bodyguard soundtrack, Bobby. A cover of a song by Shaka Khan, was it? Mm-hmm. I believe it was Shaka I Khan. It was. I'm Every Woman. And she does a nice job with this. You got that gospel thing. Her voice is still there. And then she plugs into the dance music of the time. She evolved. Let's listen to it. Yes. I think Shaka Khan's in the video, and they're all like having a great time together. That sounds right. Yeah, and it's in that that sepia tone of the early '90s. There was a lot of sepia, black and white, and sepia. There was, and if I recall, this was also the era of like when you're doing a movie soundtrack song, you have to in- awkwardly intercut scenes from the movie. Oh yeah, that's so. Vital. I think there was a lot of awkward cutting here. Kevin Costner's hot yeah. buns. Did you ever see the movie? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. What do you mean? It was on um, request. It was on request a lot. We had the scrambler box, so we anything that was on pay per view, we got to watch over and over again because there was nothing else to do. Yep. And um, Bodyguard, many, many times I saw that. Great film. I mean, I haven't seen it in 25 years, but. Yeah, Whitney, Whitney Houston's dead. That's weird, right? That is weird. Isn't that weird that she died of like basically just being a fucking drugged out old lady? I didn't see that coming. Everybody blamed Bobby Brown. And she I, was, I, it's weird to think about in our life. She was, she was that drugged out lady longer than she was this ingenue making amazing music. Like, right. I mean, happened, she was like 18 when she came out. Right. And then it happened pretty quickly. Like it happened pretty early on where she made that turn into drug addict. Well, I've, I've listened to podcasts about her. I've read about her. And apparently one of the misconceptions is that like Bobby did it to her. Right. That she was, like, in the shit before Bobby, and that just kind of accelerated everything. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, so this was... As a fan of the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack, I would never blame Bobby <laughs> Brown for anything. I mean, so. come on. Yeah. I mean, that was such a good song. Such a good song. And Roy Parker Jr., he got all the love for the first Ghostbusters no, song. On our own. Great song. Great karaoke song as well. Wow, I never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so... This was on the Bodyguard soundtrack. It was her screen acting debut. Did you know that? Of course I did, obviously. Everybody knows that. She recorded seven songs for the soundtrack, uh, including one more, which we're going to get to. You could probably piece it together if you are you were alive back then. Uh, but um, it received the Grammy Award for Album of the Year, Bob, and remains the world's best-selling soundtrack album of all time. Is- Motherfucker. Is Flock of Dudes on that list of uh, soundtrack albums? 
It's probably so, like right behind, right behind the bodyguard. I don't know if it's true, Bob, but somebody uh, tweeted us that they have two copies of Flock of Dudes <laughs> that they bought in New Zealand. So now we're out of Flock of Dudes copies. That's it. They're all gone. Sold out. Um, the movie, Bob, in 1992 made $411 million. And it, the album, Bob, the fucking album sold 45 million copies. That's fucking crazy. That is hardcore shit. And I remember her name, the character name to this day, Rachel Marin. This song's fine. It's fine. We don't don't need more of this in our life. No, I wouldn't say so. All right, Bob, we're into the top three. Oh, boy. Something to think about if you're at home, first time listening. Every episode, we put a song on our Spotify playlist, the Throwback Podcast official Spotify playlist, and one of these songs will be on it. But you know what song will not be on it? What? Dr. Dre is nothing but a G thing. You know why? Why? Dr. Dre is not on Spotify. Oh, my God, we've, Bob. We've what hit a, a problem. disgrace. There's a problem. Bob, that's a disgrace. It's not good. You know who does uh, have Dre's music and catalog? Apple Music. Title. Title's got it, but Apple's got it too, Bob. All right. Let me double check that. Ouch, while we go Bob. to the next song. What a disgrace. I know. I'm not happy about Where that. Where does um, Whitney's death, by the way, um, rank for you on most shocking celebrity deaths of our lifetime? I don't think it was shocking because there was just years and years of her being this known drug addict. Still pretty shocking. Number one for me has got to be Princess Di. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That's my real, that's Is a that very really serious it? comment. Why wouldn't that be a real contender for you, Bob? Princess uh, Diana dying in a car crash? The most famous woman in the world? Wow. I don't know if I'm ready to talk about that. Stop looking at your phone. I wanted your to see shitty if, Spotify doesn't have Dr. Dre. It has 2001, oh. but it doesn't have the chronic. All right, Bob. Most shocking death before we can go on to the number three. Uh, easy. Paul Walker. <laughs> that actually is pretty there shocking. There you go. Boom. I mean, it's, it's pathetic that that's the guy that popped in your head, but <laughs> Princess Diana, number, Paul Walker. Number, number two. Uh, Jonathan Brandis. Number three, Ray Combs. Oh, rest in peace, Ray. Here we go. Duran Duran's back. This is one of the, um, I feel like the great blips of 90s um, radio. Mm Mm-hmm. Mr. Duran Duran. I don't know if they had continued success in the UK uh, in the late 80s and, and into the 90s, but they were nowhere. They were gone. They were like a relic uh, by 1990, I feel like, here. I could be wrong, but I think that was the case. Hungry, Hungry Like the Wolf, Rio, and some other bangers in that era. Are you farting? What's going on over there? I think I'm ready to reveal something on the podcast. All right, let's listen to the chorus. Okay. Can't wait to hear this. But I won't cry for yesterday. There's an ordinary world. Somehow I have to find. And as I try to make my way to the ordinary world, I will. Monster hit, Bob. Monster hit. All right, well, you got a big reveal for us? I was getting a blowjob when I found out Princess Di died. It was on the TV. What a humble brag. It was on the TV. 
And that's how I found out. Total humble brag. It was mid DJ. Did you keep going? Yeah. Oh, Bob. Oh, Bob. <laughs> sorry, sorry, England. You gotta shut that down, Bob. <laughs> you gotta. You gotta give a tap on the shoulder. Like, honey, you might want to see this. <laughs> I waited till that after. reminds me of in um, Mad Men. Peggy was doing nooners with uh, Duck Phillips. Yeah. And right before Peggy shows up to the hotel, Duck sees on the TV in the hotel room that Kennedy's been shot, and he unplugs the television because he's got to <laughs> fuck Peggy, and that's more important. Kind of did the same thing. And I'm gonna put that in the same category as my college roommate Josh Sousa. Who was crashing at our friend Mike's place on September 11, 2001? <laughs> passed out on the couch. You know, everyone gathered around the TV as the horrific events of 9 11 are unfolding. Josh wakes up, looks around, confused, say, What's going on? He's told, We're under attack. And he goes, What? And then he goes back to sleep for several <laughs> more hours. But you were getting a hummer, as yeah. they say. Yeah. Well, that's a memorable. So, Oral, uh, so you know what? It'll never be on my like most shocking or surprising because scenario. it was kind of like that was secondary to what was happening at the time. <laughs> Wait, did your girlfriend at the time, was she aware of what happened? I might have lowered the volume. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. I want to listen to more to art of this song. I, I love, love this it. song, by the <laughs> You're a disgrace, today. But I don't, I mean, I never got a blowjob when I was 17. I imagine there could be nothing that would stop me from letting that <laughs> no, continue. No, no. Ooh, listen to that edge guitar. Love it. This is a great song. I remember this was like a weird, it's like weird and moody. And as like a preteen, this was like a little too much for me at the time, but I still really. It was pretty adult. It was pretty adult, but I really liked it. But not adult enough where it was a number one pop hit. Right. Um, and it's just got, it's just a great like ballad. Yeah. It's it like an, a banger. And I don't know if it ever showed up on the charts ever again. Or in the years before that, so that's why it's a bit strange. But what a song! Was "Come Undone"? This was the same time as like "Come Undone." You're right. There was "Come Undone" yeah. too. Was that? And wasn't there a song where they shit? Yeah, they kind of had a moment there. They had a moment. Yeah. They had. They were on the Crying Game soundtrack too, wasn't that's it? Like right. the Crying Game. I know game. all there is to know. People had really. Um, Wow, we were so dumb back then. Yeah, the takes back then for the crying game. Again, watch the final act of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to talk about that movies that have not aged well. If you're ever upset about where we are as a society now, just watch that and see how far we've come. <laughs> uh, the antagonist in the film, one of the main reasons why she's the antagonist is because she is transgender. Yeah. Yeah. Transgender. And everybody vomits when they find out. Literally. Everybody. Including Dan Marino. <laughs> he should get his Hall of Fame plaque yanked down. All right, here we go, Bob. Number two, uh, uh, this week in 1993. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I don't think this is the real version. This is on the uh, Aladdin soundtrack. No, but this wasn't the version. This is not Peebo Bryson. This is Leah Salonga and Brad Kane. No, that's not right, the version. Let me find the right version. I want to be faithful to the era in which the song. No, because they did that thing where it was like, oh, here's the most popular thrived. song. Here's the song. Now we're going to get two legitimate pop powerhouses to turn this into a number one single. Interesting. And All I right. believe it was like Peebo Bryson, right? Oh, I don't know, Bob. <laughs> oh, Peebo Bryson and Regina Bell. There you go. All right, here we go. Don't slight my man Peebo. Were you getting ahead during this song? The first time you heard it too? <laughs> Maybe this time I hear it. Let's go. I can show you the world. Oh, this video is amazing. Shining, it's this balding black dude that still has like a flat top <laughs> and his forehead's like a drive-in movie theater. It's fucking great. made him rich this song was they probably got fucked on this i mean i know there's one song above it but i remember this song just being so fucking tremendous back then like on all the time and we were too a little too old for the disney movies yes. like i never saw aladdin the last disney movie i saw as a kid was little mermaid yeah that was the last one i saw in the theater i didn't see it in the theater because i was fucking 10 i don't know what you were doing there. i had a little sister okay I'll boom give it to you. i'll give it to you <laughs> I hope he buys it. Uh, your little he, sister I, wasn't there, though. I hope he buys it. <laughs> you did have a little sister, but you were there with your mom. Just don't ask any follow-up questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, Aladdin was definitely kind of, at this point, it would have been social suicide to even be seen <laughs> exactly. at the theater near the Aladdin yeah. screening. But I do think the 7th, grade, 7th, 8th grade girls loved this song. I remember people singing it in like the hallways of the middle school. Right, but DJ Howie wouldn't play this at the dance. Probably not. So it was kids' music. Right. And you were distancing yourself from it at the time. Yeah, like everybody's everybody's always referencing Lion King, and I'm just like, I I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know anything about no, it. No, we missed it. We were too old. We were and in that. We were in so that in between. So popular with people that are five years younger than I've us. I've still never seen the Lion King. I've been able to pick up things just by context now. Well, but, it's like Harry Potter. Right. Right. Like uh, Simba? Is He's that the, the name the of The little that? one. That's the little one. I don't know. He, he gets held up uh, by something <laughs> else, by a mountain. By Azrael. Really? No. Okay. We're in the weeds a little bit there. <laughs> anyway, like we said, there's more Whitney Fang, coming. Fang's a guy? There you go. All right. I do love... Uh, Love Peebo? that version. Peebo. I'm into Peebo. I want to look up his catalog. Let's get deep into Peebo. How come Peebo didn't get the Aladdin soundtrack, though? I probably fucked that up. You fucked that up. Yeah, that's not them. 
But on the Aladdin soundtrack, there's a version by two lesser artists. So there's something going on there. Every once in a while, we stumble across some type of weird oddity. Well, no, I'm sure in the movie itself. Those Fuck the, you, Bob. I don't right, care what fine, you have to say. Fine, fine. I'm just going to go get another blowjob. God, how could you throw that in my face? <laughs> throw my blowjob in your face. I would only be in your way. I'm going to pause it here and just let everyone know including my partner Bob here, that we were going to listen to this for about a minute straight just because it's so perfect, and I haven't heard it in a long time. It's been a long time. Okay, here we go. So I'll go, but I know I'll think of you every step of the way. And I will always love you, will always love you. French horn. No oh, cheesy keyboard. Um... I Will Always Love You, cover of the Dolly Parton song. Couple memories of this era. How big Whitney Houston was. Mm -hmm. This is the biggest song of the 90s to me. And you could say the Celine Dion piece of shit from Titanic. Right. Maybe it did more business. I don't think so, though. But if the song to me, when I think of what is the most popular song of the 90s, it is I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. And for some context as a kid, as a 11-year-old boy, to show you how big this song was, and I remember it like it was yesterday, driving back from a basketball game with 15 uh, 11-year-olds and the head coach, and this song on the radio, and all the boys in the bus singing the song together. Wait, how are you 11 in this? What do you mean? It was... 93. Oh, 12. Okay. Sorry, Bob. No, I just wanted One to make year, sure. Bob. That's fine. I was painting an amazing picture, and you and just chronological reasons. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but that's how popular the song was. Everyone knew every word. It didn't matter if you were a boy or a girl. Right. It was fucking monstrous. Yeah, there was no shame in loving this song. Or it was all. just there. It, it was, was just there, it was yeah. And it was a and different it, time. And it was a different yeah. time where everybody. It was like that way that like everybody was like, "Oh, Johnny Carson's the king of late night." It's like, oh. Everybody agrees this is the best song ever. Right. Like, we were just all on the same page. And it was just like, yeah, the mono, what do they say? It's a monoculture, I think it was. It was just different. Yeah. It was a different world. And right. this was the song that everyone knew. Um, and the best part of the song is, because I want to get to it eventually, is when it goes, and it when goes it, fucking nuts. when she hits her microphone and says that? <laughs> yes. Which they left it in. There it is. <laughs> I gotta do it justice, but donate your microphone. And I will that right there is the biggest moment 
in uh, music in the 90s in terms of popular music. Bang! And she goes next level. Yeah. Not saying it's the greatest song ever, you, right. but the biggest moment in pop music. You weren't 11, though. I was 12. You were at least 12. No, I was, I was 12 years old. I was, I was almost 13, actually. Some of this stuff doesn't sound as good, like that horn sounds like shit. Right. <laughs> the keyboards sound very dated, but her voice is... What a fucking voice. Kevin Costner's backing vocals. Uh, the other thing that... A reminder of how huge Whitney was, she did the national anthem before Super Bowl XXV, uh, Bills and Giants. And that that was so popular because it happened during the Gulf War. Like, she, like, hit all these big markers. She really just killed the Gulf War. She just she like, killed She, it. like, saw that and was like, she, she was to the Gulf War, but you two was, was to 9-11. Yes. Right. No, you're right. Um, that was so big that if you remember, Bob, in Little League, um, if you played at Anderson Field in the majors, they would play a rendition of the National Anthem. Mm-hmm. And that song was so big, they would play it, and it was like three times longer than the one they would usually play. <laughs> they just played that shit anyway. They had to. And you just stand there waiting for the song. <laughs> uh, Whitney was queen. She was the queen back then. She was. R.I.P. Whitney. All right. Nice book in there, Bob. R.I.P. Whitney Houston. R.I.P. Peter Tork. R.I.P. Fife Dog. R.I.P. Fife Dog. R.I.P. Prince. Who else is dead? R.I.P. Snow's P- Dick. Peebo. I don't know. I've made 12 inches when you get in your 50s. Can you get that thing hard anymore? <laughs> At best, you're getting like 10 inches now. I got a feeling you got to wonder if the bill comes due on a dick that big. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know in like 10 years. Um, Bob, come on. It's like maybe six. <laughs> it's decent. <laughs> your dick's half as big as snow's. No, stop it. That's an insult. <laughs> but he's got 12 inches of snow. Even Bob. It's so. Not, it's no, not a that's shame. not. Yes, it is. It's not a shame. I am more than half of a snow. <laughs> uh, who else is dead? Uh, looks like we got everybody. Maybe uh, oh, somebody from Snap uh, is dead. I don't know. Pettit drinking his uh, Bloody Mary. <laughs> Not yet. It's close. This is the day, probably. Yeah. All right. Davy Jones. That was fun. Davey as well. Now we got to pick the uh, the song for the Spotify playlist. I mean, th- we might have to change it now officially to the Apple Music playlist after this Dr. Dre revelation. I mean, what a disgrace. It's pretty horrible. In fact, I'm going to let you pick. And if you pick that, then you're just going to really just put us in that corner where, where me and the Spotify contingent are going to have to deal with now, it. You know what, Bob? I'm going to pick a song I know we both love. I'm going to stay away from um, Whitney. She got a lot of love here, and that's what she needs. We're not going to do Prince. Shanice isn't going to get it done. We talked about <laughs> Snow's Dick enough. Uh, that Cicada song was a piece of shit. <laughs> but. I like it. This fits. It's, I mean, come on. Let's give Duran Duran some love. Let's do it. It's a little, actually, it's a little disappointing. We've, we had so much great, like, R&B and hip-hop on this countdown, and then we go with the Duran Duran song. That's who we are. The adult contemporary listen, song. Listen, listen, we're just a couple of guys from Pearly White River. This is what <laughs> this is what you signed up for. Mr. Wendell, though, shout-out. Mr. Wendell, shout-out. I, I wouldn't want to put it on it, because that was, like, in retrospect, a little corny, kind of, for the time. Right. I would have loved to have put Dr. Dre on the, on the playlist. Too bad. Too bad. It's too bad. Although Dre would have been a little on the nose. It was such a huge song. It's true. Anyway, there you go. There you go. Ordinary World by Duran Duran. And um, 
If you want to uh, check out our playlist on Spotify, do a throwback podcast search. And yes, I do have it on Apple Music as well. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter, Throwback Pod, Instagram, same handle. Gmail, Bob's all over that Gmail. The Throwback Pod at Gmail. And thank you to Pettit and Mattis and everyone else that Bruno supports the, us. Bruno, the sponsor, everybody else on patreon.com slash throwback pod. That's how this show survives. So if you are not um, interacting with us there and throwing us a couple bucks, you don't have to, but if you want to, that helps. Yeah, there you go. And if you don't do it, go rate and review on iTunes. How about that? At the very least. There you and go. And if you don't do any of that, well, still, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. But you're kind of a dick. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Um, all right. We'll, we will be back uh, next week with another episode. Uh, that's it, Bob. You want, you want to rub in more of your high school sexcapades while no, we're here? I'm just going to sit back and think about it. Just think about Princess Diana. Oh, In hot. that tunnel. Oh, it's doing it. My God, what a disgrace. Run away. The People's Princess. Don't it!